Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. In this podcast, we'll be having discussions around the secrets which attract lasting, healthy, fulfilling relationships, creating a healthy mindset, and what women should know and understand about men. Introducing your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts, relationship expert, trainer, speaker, and best-selling author of The Cupid's Bow Technique. Lynn's mission is to have a positive impact in reducing divorce, domestic violence, and suicide. Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. This is your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts. And today I've got a very interesting lady. Her name is May Bugenhagen. Did I say that correctly, May? Yes, you did. <laughs> very, very warm welcome to you, May. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. And May is a professional matchmaker. And I thought it'd be quite exciting to talk to a matchmaker today because um, we very rarely have matchmakers on the show. And I thought it'd be interesting to find out all May's experience and find out some interesting things about what it would be like to actually go through a matchmaker to find your ideal partner. So May, welcome to the podcast. And first of all, could you tell the listeners what actually led to you actually doing what you're doing right now? When I turned 30, I joined a video matchmaking dating service. And I thought, man, they're horrible. I could totally do this better than them. But at that time I was 30 years old, climbing the corporate ladder and just kept moving up and didn't have time to really launch a dating service. So I kept plugging away from my corporate job. And then after 11 years, I quit my corporate job and thought, oh, I should start that dating company that I've always wanted to do and always wanted to help singles. When I was in my corporate job, I would love setting up my friends with my employees and everybody around me. And I think my best superpower is that I am just very, very, very nosy about other people's love lives. That (laughs) makes me totally interested in doing what I'm doing now. It's like you're chatting with friends every day when you're Mm. at work, you're just finding out what's going on with people's love lives. So I started my business thinking I can help singles like myself when I was 30, try to settle down. You know, I had a great job. I had a house. I have great family, friends. All that was missing was someone to share my life with and go on vacations with and go see shows, movies, museums, all that stuff. So I thought, okay, I could totally do this. So I Googled on the internet, found a place that I could quote unquote train under. And then I became a certified matchmaker since 2009. And here I am, you know, uh, many, many, many years later and very, very successful at what I do. And I just love talking to people. I love finding out about them, what makes them tick, who they're looking for. And yeah, so that's what landed me, you know, to a great career. Excellent. Love it. I love the fact that you was open and honest about, you know, being nosy, <laughs> being a dream job, you know, being able to speak to people about their love lives all day. I love that. That's great. Yeah, I just love it. Being a matchmaker is kind of a sexy job. You know, when you go to networking functions and things like that, everybody wants to talk to you. It's not like I'm an insurance agent or I'm in financial services where people kind of, 
you know, stay away from them at a networking function because they don't want to get recruited. But when you're a matchmaker, people just want to talk to you and they're always curious. So in a way at a networking function, you're kind of like the center of attention, which, you know, I love the attention and telling people about what I do and things like that. And I've learned a lot, you know, my part-time gig on the side is I'm always reading books about relationships, dating, what singles can do better. So it's actually great because you're always learning. There's so much to learn in this industry. And we're very fortunate that a lot of matchmakers and dating coaches in the world and US and everywhere, we have this collaborative nature where we want to help each other out. So it makes it fun to align with people in the industry that you like hanging out with or chatting with and zooming with, and you just are like hanging out with your friends across the country. These are some of the people I've never met in person, but through Mm. especially technology and what we've gone through the last year, man, I have a lot of great friends now. And of course, that's how I met Lynn. So this is great. (laughs) Absolutely. And, um, you know, the, the good thing is that, you know, I like that you mentioned it's a very collaborative industry. There's not really that competitive, nasty, sort of egotistical nature to the industry, is there? No, no. When I first started this, I came from a networking background. I came from a Fortune 500 company. I came from a business where it pays to network with people and do business with people that you know. So when I started my business with matchmaking, I thought, well, let me just reach out to matchmakers. And, you know, I would say 90% of them were very um, surprised that you would reach out to them. But now everyone is just helping each other and we have groups and a place where we quote unquote belong and share stories with. So that's awesome. And if I have a client that needs somebody in the US or UK, I could reach out to US, UK matchmakers. And, you know, I know I'll get help because everyone is just so friendly and so nice. You know, we're all in the same boat. We want to help others. We have that innate ability to do so. Fabulous. Love it. So if from my point of view, I know that there's going to be members of the audience listening in now that have never actually tried matchmaking or even thought about trying a matchmaker or know anything about what that would entail. So would you be able to give our audience some idea of what what actually happens, you know, once a client reaches out and uh, you start that process? Yes, Uh, matchmakers love to be bossy sometimes. (laughs) We like to help clients uh, find the one. And when a client comes to us, a lot of times they've been dating, you know, 10, 20, 30 years, 40 years. And obviously what they've been doing hasn't helped, or maybe it's their second time around finding love. Maybe they came out of a long marriage, newly divorced, whatever the situation may be. A lot of times people work at home, so they don't meet a lot of people at their jobs anyway. So hiring a matchmaker is great for people who value their time more than money. And is matchmaking uh, cheap? No, it's not actually. It's actually, you know, sometimes in the thousands and, um, you know, it could be 5,000, it could be 10, it could be 15, it could be upwards of 50,000 or 100,000, depending on who you hire and who you're looking for. But there's um, budgets all across the board. 
And it's really for someone, maybe they are pretty accomplished in their field or they value privacy and want things confidential. They don't want to just put all their information online and have their subordinates or employees see their photos online. So they hire a matchmaker. So it's discreet and they're meeting quality people, not quantity. So hiring a matchmaker is great for people who want to meet one to two people a month and who are relationship-minded, marriage-minded, because why would someone pay thousands of dollars just to date around? Like you can just go on any app to hook up with people and hiring a matchmaker is not that. If you want to hook up with a lot of partners, this is not the way to go. (laughs) No, but like you say, it's quality over quantity. And is there a sort of, you know, when it comes to the investment, is there a difference between what women are charged and what men are charged relatively? Well, there's a lot of different business models out there among the matchmakers. And I do the more traditional business model where the men are the paying clients and the women join my database for free. And the reason why I do that is because I think the man should be a gentleman and he should pay for things. And he certainly should pay for the first date. And if he doesn't want to pay on the first date, then that's a red flag for a lot of women, I think. I mean, no one has ever said, I want a cheap, frugal guy, you know, so <laughs> don't be that on the first date. Um, but yeah, a lot of uh, matchmakers out there have different business models. They can, you know, the women might pay, the men might pay, and you might be meeting people who only are paying clients, or you might be meeting people who the matchmaker recruits for you. So that just opens up more options and cast a wider net if you're also meeting people that are not a paying member of the service, because if you're only meeting people who are paying members in a service that really limits your pool. So you just have to figure out what you're comfortable with and what kind of people you want to meet. And of course you should do, do, do your due diligence and interview the matchmakers because you're going to be stuck with this matchmaker for, it could be three months, six months, a year, So you want to make sure that you get along with this person as if they are your friend and um, person who's watching out for your best interests. That's great advice. So um, in terms of the investment then, um, and you said that usually most people go for the traditional model, which is what you do in terms of how that's set up. So it's the guys that pay for the service and the women join for free. And Within that, how long a period of time is that, you know, a limited period of time usually that you initially sign somebody up for? Well, when a woman joins my database, they are in my database until they ask me to remove them. So it doesn't mean that they're going to be so busy dating all these guys. I mean, I will only match them up if there's a great candidate out there for them. So I'm also pretty picky on the women's behalf because she gives me her criteria. So I will only contact her if there's a man who meets her criteria or at least meets her criteria by 80%. So the man who signs up, it could be a three month contract. It'd be a six month contract, eight month contract or a year. So it just depends on how long he wants to work with me for and how picky he is. So The investment for women is basically, I want to make sure that she's not a flake. 
if she says she's going to meet a guy, she actually follows through and her word is golden. And she replies to my emails and text and is a good communicator because how you treat your matchmaker is pretty much how you're going to treat the men, right? If you're very good at communication and mm. I know that, okay, she'll be good at communication with the guy. But if she's rude to me, there's no chance that she's going to be rude to me and nice to the guy. Come on. Like mm. you are the same person, or at least you should be how you show up for one person is how you show up for others. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you cope with them, whether it's a man or a woman, somebody that's really picky? Oh, man, <laughs> the really picky folks, you got to wonder like, okay, you are single for a reason. So uh, if they're super picky, I have the most, most success with men who are truly open-minded and say, you know what? I really want to find a wife. I really want to find a girlfriend. If they themselves say that out loud and admit it to themselves that that's what they want, then I can help them with that. I can truly help them find a partner when they work with me. If someone doesn't use those words, like I want to find a wife or husband, or I want to be in a relationship, then they probably really don't want to be in a relationship. So yes, we interview the, you know, candidates and the members, and we have to kind of use our intuition and find out what are they really looking for? You know, when was their last relationship? Are they ready to start a new relationship or are they just going through the motions and trying to get out there? And if they're not serious about finding somebody, that's fine too. Just tell me. So then I will set you up with somebody who's thinking the same way as you. Maybe a guy came out of a long marriage. He's not going to want to get married right away, but you know, maybe that's some guy that you might want to meet if you're not serious about getting in a relationship right now either. But you guys are both quality people and you never know what will happen. So but picky people, I just really want them to um, let go of their list and mm -hmm. maybe just if they have a list, meet somebody who meets their criteria, even just 80 percent, you know, maybe maybe she's a couple inches shorter than you like. Maybe he's a couple inches shorter than you like, like things like that. Education. Maybe you wanted a guy who went to an Ivy league school, but maybe now it's okay wherever he went to school, as long as he's making a good living, maybe he's smart with his money. He's a homeowner and all that stuff. So you really have to pay attention to, is this guy a good person, good character? Will he be a good dad, be a good husband? Because I've never heard any woman say, oh my gosh, my husband is amazing. Like he's such a good father to the kids because he's tall. You know, like yeah, exactly. that just doesn't happen. You know, it's like, that's not why he's a good father or that's not why he's a good husband because he's tall. Exactly. That, that's very, very, very sound information there, right there. And um, I happened to do um, a course and a training around, uh, which involved me sort of researching billionaires at the time. And I found out with, within the top 10, and this is going back to the early, mid-2000s, that out of the top 10 billionaires, there was only about two or three that, that went past a high school education. So it doesn't matter, you know, really, education-wise. It, it's not relative to success, especially where, when it comes to wealth. I agree. I agree. I mean, there's a lot of people who are very, very well-educated who are not very successful. So there's really no way to, um, you know, 
just make that a deal breaker or not. Like, it's just, you have to, everybody's different. Everybody is different. How ambitious are they? Did they come from money? How do they spend their money? How do they save their money? How do they invest their money? Like all those things matter. Yeah. Uh, I'm very aligned with you on that one. So in terms of, I suppose, what advice would you give then to somebody who initially you're picking up the vibe that they're very particular about the physical attributes? And I, I would generalize by saying that my experience is that men are more, you know, the, the, the types that go for the more physical attributes and women. Well, some guys come to me and they say, I only want someone with a big chest. I only want someone with a big butt. I only want a size two or size zero, or I only want someone who's at least five, six, because I'm six. Oh, so there are all these things that they want. And then they might not have success with me because they're so picky with their looks. And I still keep in touch with majority of my clients. And then they tell me they got married and I'm like, Oh, send me a picture of who you ended up with. And I would say almost 99% of the time who they send me a photo of is not someone I would have set them up with. So they just really have to let go of their fantasies with these uh, characteristics that they're looking for and look at the person. If they genuinely want to find a partner they won't have all these long lists of looks and all that stuff. Like, it's just, you can tell, you can tell when a man comes to you and have what their motivations are. Like you really, you really can tell. And I have way more success with yes. <laughs> people who are open-minded than the people who are just into physical attributes. And I know men are visual, so are women, but you have to like, look at the big, the whole package, you know, the big picture. I certainly, uh, my, my work involves working mainly with women, although I do work with men as well. But, um, you know, my, my biggest tip is to go on a date and see how you feel, let your feelings tell you and be the judge of um, whether you like that person or not, rather than the physical looks. Right. I mean, men usually go on a second date, third date with a woman because they liked how she made him feel on the date. So yes, women fall in love with their ears and men fall in love with their eyes, but that's why it's so important for women to be kind and considerate because a man can uh, feel those things when mm. he's with her. So that stuff matters. And a lot of times men, you know, you, you were talking about billionaires, millionaires before it's like, well, they're looking for a nice, kind, considerate, down-to-earth woman who can hold her own and is beautiful in his eyes, and he's attracted to her. So a guy's not looking for an aggressive woman who totally speaks her mind and you know gets in like this tension on the first date and all this stuff. It's like he's thinking, can I be with this person and be happy with her? And do I want to see her again? And that's all you're really looking for on dates, right? Like, do I want to spend more time with this person? Yeah. You, know, you don't even need to think about, is he going to be a good husband, good wife? Like all that stuff will come later, but it's important how she makes him feel on the date. Give him a compliment, make him feel manly, you know, let him pay those yeah, things. Absolutely. And also, like you say, I've, I picked up on the fact, you know, um, 
men don't like confrontation or women because that's them being in their masculine energy and a, a masculine man doesn't want to be in a position where he's picking up on any masculine energy because otherwise he'll just feel like there's another man in the room with him and whether he's consciously aware of that dynamic or not it will be unattractive to him won't it oh yeah I mean there's nothing wrong with saying you know what I want to cook for you you know what? I don't mind doing my husband's laundry. I don't mind cooking for him. I don't mind doing household chores. You know, those are things that are feminine. You know, it's nice to dress in a feminine way. When you go on a first date, it's nice to let them open the doors for you or help you, you know, in your chair and things like that. It's not like anti-feminine, you know, it's like, it's okay to let a man be a man. And Yes, women have come a long way and, you know, do great things and make great money, lots of money, but you also don't need to talk about work and the money that you make on a first date. You want to talk about your interests and your hobbies and what makes you you and what makes you fun and why does he want to see you again? He doesn't want to see you again because you make good money. He doesn't need money. Like he doesn't need boardroom in the bedroom. Like he wants a nice, sweet person who he can, um, hang out with and be with and feel good around and I think within that it's important to um notice our tonality of voice as well isn't it you know men respond to you know I think a lot of physical uh, stimulus regarding their senses so they're like a woman that smells nice you know they're very primal whether that's our own natural feminine smell or whether that's her perfume and and the sound of her voice and things like that you know, can all make a difference as to how he feels at the end of the day, can't it? Oh, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things uh, men and women can do, should do. Um, First and foremost, I think men and women should just be a little bit more forgiving on dates. And, you know, if she needs to push the date back 30 minutes, okay, give her the benefit of the doubt. Don't hold that against her or punish her for that. And if she needs to reschedule, she needs to apologize. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times women think that they thank the man for the date or on the date or after the date. And the guy would be like, yeah, she didn't even thank me for dinner. Like I spent, you know, $150, $200 on this great meal. And she didn't even say thank you. And I think we forget sometimes. So make that part of your vocabulary is, thank somebody and be grateful and all those little things matter. And if you messed up, say, I'm sorry, let me make it up to you. Sometimes we forget to say, I'm sorry when we mess up. So we just assume we said it, but we really didn't. So. I agree. And I, I'm glad you brought that up. You know, it's so important. You know, if a man is paying for your meal, it's so important that he does feel appreciated that you appreciate that gesture because it is a big deal. And, you know, um, a man will feel very offended if a woman doesn't even say thank you on the back of him, you know, paying for the meal, but that's the very minimum. And then it's, it's not, it's not about, you know, well, what else might he expect if I say thank you for the meal? Um, you know, don't, don't go down that train of thought thinking that, Oh, because he's bought me food, then he's going to be expecting a night of sex. No, All he wants is a thank you if he's a decent, honest guy. I agree. I really agree. And you could thank him while he's paying for the meal, you know, to the server. And you could thank him when you say good night. Like, 
just to make a point of saying thank you is so important. I don't think a lot of women realize that. And then the men would think, gosh, that's a sense of entitlement. Like she didn't even appreciate that. And, you know, it is tough. It is tough for a guy to date. I mean, first of all, he's asking the woman out. There's a chance he'll get rejected. Then he pays for the meal and he wants to pay for the meal. And sometimes women insist on paying for the meal or go Dutch. And then it's like, oh, is she testing him? Does, you know, does he need to pass this test by grabbing the bill and make sure he pays? Or does she do the fake purse reach? You know, it's like, just let him pay for the first meal and second date or whatnot and say, oh, next time we go out, my treat. And guys appreciate that. You know, it could be a small gesture as paying for a valet, uh, valet fee or, you know, oh, let's go get ice cream afterwards. And, you know, picking up that tab or whatever that may be. It's just, how are you going to be in the relationship later? Are you going to take advantage of him and freeload off him? Or are you going to be nice and bring different things to the table? And that should go whether you fancy the guy and want a second date or not, shouldn't it? You know, it should be your standard to always treat the guy with the respect. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Right. If you want to be a good dater, the whole point of being on a date and being a good dater is, does he want a second date? You know, what are you doing to make him ask you out again? You know, same thing with the guy. Like, am I going to be a good dater that she's going to want to go out with me again? And even if you're not interested in the person who's sitting across from you, okay, we'll be friendly. You can be nice for 60 minutes, 90 minutes. And maybe you use this as a date practice then. If you know, gosh, there's certainly no chemistry and there's all these deal breakers that came up while we were talking. And I know he's not right for me, but let me dig a little bit deeper. Maybe he's good for a friend of mine. You know, maybe you never know what's going to happen. Maybe he might be your future connection to a job later. Like you just want to be nice to people and it's free. It's like free to be nice. It doesn't even cost you anything. So why not be a good person, you know? Absolutely. It doesn't cost anything, like you say, to be kind. And it's always possible to be kind. (laughs) Right. This is always possible. Absolutely. So what are your usual dating tips and advice? You know, if somebody hasn't been on the dating scene for a while because either, you know, they've not actually physically started to date anybody or never had a serious relationship or they have had a serious relationship and that's broken up and they're now ready to start dating again, but not, you know, not so confident because it's been a while. And it's totally fine if you're not confident and makes you nervous, or this is my first time meeting Lynn. And it's okay to say, gosh, you know what? I haven't been out on a real date for a while. Like you're actually making me a little bit nervous. You know, how cute is that to admit that you're making me nervous because you're so cute, you know, or (laughs) you're making me nervous because you know, I'm just giddy right now. I'm excited to be on this date and just to be honest with him or her. Mm. And it's better than, you know, acting like you're all cool and Rico Suave and not even um, addressing that. It's like, you're trying too hard almost if you don't admit it, but it's okay to say, gosh, Lynn, I haven't been out on a date in a while. Like I'm actually really excited to get out and, you know, to meet people again. And that's a compliment to that person that, he or she made you nervous because, you know, it's, it's a nice feeling and you 
start the date off on the right foot. Like, okay, let's just put it all on the table and um, go from there. And there are certainly things you could brush up on before the date, you know, uh, it could be the, what you wear. So it's like, go find a good, comfortable first date outfit. Maybe you haven't gone out on dates in like 10 years, five years, 20 years. What are people wearing right now? You know, go to a department store and see what the trends are and what's comfortable and what would look good on you. And it's okay to ask for help if you need somebody to help you with your shopping, like find out what you can wear on a first date, second date, third date, and have a first date outfit, second date outfit, third date outfit ready to go. So every time you have a first or second or third date, you're not going to be nervous about what you're going to wear because you already have a plan. Um, maybe you need an updated hairstyle, you know, maybe anything, maybe you need a massage, maybe you need a facial, like what's going to get you in the mood to put your best foot forward. So you feel confident on the date. If you think you need a haircut, you probably do. Yeah. You know, if you think you should shave and be a little bit more uh, clean cut, then go ahead, shave. Um, you want a new look because this is a new, you know, new chapter in your life. So spoil yourself a little bit and treat yourself to something you've always wanted. Maybe it's that cute purse or cute shoes. You deserve it. You know, why not? I feel it's also important to get yourself in the right mindset and not think it's going to be doom and gloom before you set out the door. You know, have that positive expectation. You know what? I'm going to make this a great fun night, even if it's somebody I'm not going to date again. Right. You just have to go on every first, second or third dates and make up your mind that you're going to have a good time. If that's your mission and that's your goal, then that's what you're going to do. Like, Hey, you know what? I'm just going to make sure I have a great time. No matter what, no matter what this person's like, I'm getting dressed up anyway. I'm just going to have fun and see where it goes. And for people who are really nervous about finding a romantic connection with somebody, you know, don't put all that expectation on yourself. Just say, you know what? I'm going to go out, meet this great guy and see if we click, you know, let's just see what happens. And, uh, not go out on a first date and think, okay, I'm going to go meet my husband. <laughs> like, like don't put so much pressure on yourself. Just have or fun. Him. That's what dating is. Yeah. Or him, because I think I've said this many times in my podcast episodes is that men can feel the weight of a woman's expectations. And that really is massively why some men withdraw, you know, and pull away. It's because right. they can feel that you've got all these expectations around you know, how quick the relationship's going to progress and you need to let go of all of that. And that's where working with a matchmaker really helps. Um, and also it helps if you're just doing online dating, you know, you know, up front, does he have kids? Does he want more kids? Does he, is he willing to relocate? Uh, what are his interests? Like there's a huge advantage to working with a matchmaker because she finds out all this information for you before you meet. So you don't have to ask, well, what are your thoughts on kids? Like you already know what his thoughts on kids are. He wants kids because your matchmaker told you so because he filled out a profile. And so there's a reason why your matchmaker put you both together is you didn't want to date somebody who already has kids. You know, he doesn't have kids. You know, these things won't come up and be a total surprise. So when you date online, you get a lot of info on somebody and it's okay to ask 
these things even before you meet, if you're dating online, you know, if you're chatting, texting or whatever. Um, but yeah, that's where working with a matchmaker is great. After the first date, your matchmaker will ask you, what did you like? What did you dislike? And ask your date the same thing and then see if you want to date again, you know, go out on a second date. So we do all the back end hard work for you. Heavy <laughs> <laughs> <be> lifting. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, May. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Any last words or final advice that you'd like to leave the audience with before we wrap up the, the podcast episode? Yes, make dating fun again. And there's so many great people out there for you. You just have to go out and find them and put yourself out there and put your phones down. When you're standing in line at a coffee shop or the grocery store, be in the moment and talk to people, joke around with them, give people a compliment and start chatting that way. You just never know. And uh, just be open. I mean, really the key to dating is just being open-minded and give people a chance. And um, yeah, the women join my database for free. So if anybody out there is interested, um, wherever they are all over the world, um, my website is matchmakermay.com and would love to meet you if you're single and want to find a great guy and yeah can't wait to connect excellent thank you very much i was just about to say share your website you already did it so that's great thank you may matchmakermay.com girls get on the phone get on the email and get <laughs> signed up with may thank, thank you, you lynn for having me it was fun my pleasure. Really enjoyed it. And it just leaves me to say then, true love starts with opening our hearts. And until next time, goodbye for now. Thanks for listening to the Hearts Entwined podcast. You can follow Lynn via the Facebook group, Two Hearts Entwined, or search Lynn Smith, inspirational speaker at LinkedIn, or email lynn at hearts-entwined.com. That's lyn at hearts-entwined.com. Remember, true love starts with opening our hearts.